What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Why should you visit thechairshot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Hashtag Miranda Show. That's what she says. I can't say it like her because I don't sound like her. Um, she is not here. This is Greg DeMarco, um, the, 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 the second host, the, the, the sidekick, the guy who pushes all the buttons on the Hashtag Miranda Show, as she likes to say. So um, Miranda has no idea this show is even being recorded. So Miranda out this week she's not on the babyface heel podcast and she's also not on the hashtag miranda show that was all planned what she doesn't know is that we're recording this in her stead and have this coming out at the usual time so um couple quick bits of information and then i'll reveal what's going on here and then we'll have a lot of fun but uh, as you guys know the hashtag miranda show is part of the chair shot radio network which you can find on all of your favorite podcasting platforms itunes spotify Google Podcasts, iHeartMedia, so many more. Just go out there, like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review. Tell a friend if you love these shows. If you don't love these shows, tell your friend anyway. Let them decide for themselves. Who are you to tell your friend whether or not these shows are any good? Let them decide. All that and more and so many amazing podcasts, some of which will come up during this broadcast, all available to you as part of the ChairShot Radio Network. And the ChairShot Radio Network, of course, it's part of thechairshot.com. We bring we bring you everything. It used to just be pro wrestling. We we slowly dipped our toes into lots of other water and then kind of dove in head first with pop culture, with the NFL. It's sports, it's entertainment, it's sports entertainment. It is thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Now you can follow me on social media at chairshot Greg. That's the best way uh, to follow me on the Facebook, the Twitter, and the Instagram. And, and we have lots of fun over there. Different things in different places. So um, if you happen to follow me, especially on Instagram, 
where I like to post workout pictures and stuff like that. Well, you're welcome. This is good. See, see, Miranda yells at me all the time for, for being too egotistical. It, private conversations, you guys don't know these things, but she yells at me all the time for being too egotistical. And so now on her show, I'm going to be egotistical. But I've got uh, a big surprise for you. I'm not doing this alone. This is a show that, that we talked about putting together. And, and, and I'm excited to, to do this, not by myself, but with somebody else. It was actually his idea. And so without further ado, let's go ahead and bring out here just for you, the man who's really behind most of what we do on uh, on Chair Shot Radio and Chair Shot Radio Network and the current iteration of Chair Shot Radio and so much more. Well, it's PC Tunney. You just made the list. Excellent. Excellent. I love being on all sorts of lists. It's a pleasure to be here on the Hashtag Miranda Show. Uh, hopefully next time it will be with Hashtag Miranda. Shout out to her on assignment. But uh, the show finally has two hosts, w- both having Twitter. So that's excellent. That's the first time ever, actually. That's, that's the first time ever actually. ever happened. So <clears throat> I'm excited for that. I'm excited. I'm, uh, you're excited. Feel these nipples. or what, what, is that? what does that sound like? Oh, that's excellent sound bite. DP has that. So you'll have to tune into DWI podcast this, yeah. uh, you know, next weekend. And we'll probably play that at some point. But the reason for this show today, like Greg mentioned, is... Greg and I bounce ideas off each other all the time. We both try to put out a lot of content, and in doing so, you're always trying to find other avenues and ways of entertaining while getting your point across and getting to know your listenership better and letting your listenership get to know you better. So I threw out the idea of let's do a show where you and I talk about how we became wrestling fans, how we got into doing what we're doing with wrestling, uh, why we do some of the things we do on our shows, and, you know, how our minds work as we put out this wrestling content, you being podcasting and a lot of writing as well, basically overseeing the entire website. And then me just trying to do all these different podcasting shows, jumping in here or there and helping out wherever I can. So hopefully you folks will stick around and listen to the rest of this because I can guarantee you there's some interesting stories and some interesting reasons behind some of the things that we do. What was your first thoughts when I brought that up to you, Greg, because you seemed on board right away. I think your first, um, reaction was this is something that you and i should and could and will definitely do something like that yeah it's it's there's a couple yeah things. it's number it's, one a couple, um i, I everybody uh, loves talking about I, themselves I, loves so talking. that was a thing and and that's always exciting when we get to talk about ourselves but yeah it's there there are other people who host and produce and, and record podcasts for the chairshot.com but i'm feel pretty confident in saying nobody has done it as much as you or i probably as much as you and and that's it, it and we think about it differently like i think a lot of people will hit record do their thing whatever but i think you and i like we'll be driving in the car at some point we're probably like man if i do this on the show if i do this like those wheels are just always fucking going and always turning for us and so i think that um and and we're the ones who come up with like this show idea that show idea and that that creative process i think is a little bit different for you and i we don't um limit ourselves to certain thoughts or certain certain anything it's, it's always kind of in fact people don't even know like the ideas we've had that haven't become shows yet or ever like those are you know out there so or the or the show there. the show titles that haven't become show titles. oh my god i know <laughs> we'll get into that eventually <laughs> um but i think that um, but i think that putting everything together and, and everything letting people kind of see that and hear that will be fun for most people <laughs> and it's the stories and it's the two of us so it's just going to be entertaining in general so if you're not like oh geez i don't really want to hear 
you know, the the VH1 behind the music version of what Greg and Tunney have to say. Um, I, I largely believe, especially with podcasting, that, that the best podcast, the topics don't really mean a damn. It, it's it's the people and, and the conversations that you're having. So I think it'll be fun no matter what, and people will uh, will enjoy it. So that, so yeah, the moment I saw that text, I was probably on the toilet because we usually read text and thought that it was just <laughs> perfect and, and was like, yeah, and and excited that we're able to able to pull it together and do it and excited that we're doing it in place of this week's hashtag Miranda show. So congrats, Miranda, all this great, creative, creative output is coming on your show. I feel like this could be the best hashtag Miranda show ever. I'm just messing Miranda. I love you. We, we can't wait for you to come back. Um, to your point, you brought up something before is, you know, you're driving in the car and you think of something. I don't know how many times I'm listening to music in the car or while I'm cleaning or running or doing whatever. And I'm like, that's perfect for this show this week because of that topic. Or that's perfect for a bit or a segment I want to do, right? So like Greg said, if you folks aren't sure whether or not you're going to enjoy this conversation, that's the kind of thing we're going to get into. We're going to start with how we became wrestling fans. I'm guessing it's very early age as well for Greg. I'm pretty sure it is. But we're going to be right back because it wouldn't be Chair Shot without the voice of Chair Shot. We'll see you in 20 seconds. Why should you visit thechairshot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. What's Platt always say? Viva la raza! Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is the queen of soft style herself, Miranda Morales, co-host of Chairshot Radio and the host of the Hashtag Miranda Show. And I'm here to tell you where you can find the best t-shirts around. Well, you can find them on ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the Chairshot. There you can find over 25 different styles, designs, and colors, all in support of TheChairShot.com. Don't forget to pick up your Queen of Soft Style t-shirt, but also you can pick up the hashtag Save Tag Team Wrestling, Baron Corbin Sucks, and the OG Chair Shot t-shirt. So go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot to get your very own t-shirt today. Again, that's ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot to get your very own Chair Shot t-shirt. And don't forget, get in in soft style. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah, now you can talk. Sorry. I, I decided to throw in some commercials on everybody. 
It's all good. We got to use the commercials. I was just going to say, as, as the one and only Christopher Platt would say, thechairshot.com, it's not just a website. It's a movement. And how I love it. So, that. Greg, you're slightly, you're slightly older than I am. So let's start with you and where you first became aware of professional wrestling and, and you know, started watching it and things of that nature. So for me, I started watching wrestling as a kid. I was uh, with my dad. My parents got divorced when I was one. Um, I have to go back and calculate to figure out my age. But basically, it was 1984, like late 84, because um, it was shortly before WrestleMania 1. And wrestling would be on the MSG network. I lived in New York, so everybody had the MSG network. And so you'd see the shows that they did at Madison Square Garden. And that's where I first started watching it was just seeing the the – WWF events at Madison Square Garden on television and and would watch it sporadically um, really up until WrestleMania uh, 1. Slightly after that is when I started watching weekly and then uh, slightly after WrestleMania 1. And then, you know, by WrestleMania 2, I was watching Wrestling Challenge, Super, you know, All-American Wrestling, Superstars, whatever shows were on on locally. Um, I was watching watching all that stuff. And so, so the good thing for me is that I can basically count how long I've been watching wrestling based on what WrestleMania it is. So it's, it's, I have that convenience. I'm like, Oh, we're coming up on 37. So basically I've been watching wrestling for 37 years. Um, so I've seen, and that's why I tend to speak in, and you always hear me use the phrase in the WrestleMania era, because that's what I've been following. I love that. My, I mean, my experience is, is pretty close to the same, a little younger than you are. I can't exactly pinpoint the year like you can. I know the first WWF or pay-per-view in general that I saw live that we actually bought was WrestleMania six. But leading up to that time, superstars was my thing, right? So like my dad got cable, but like it was Tuesday night Titans, I believe was WWE back then. But my dad didn't get cable to watch wrestling. He got cable to watch college basketball and sports and things of that nature. So the funny thing, though, was Sundays, it was not on cable. It was on our local affiliate, ABC affiliate. Now, church was at 830 and Superstars was on at 11. Now you're thinking to yourself, that's not a big deal, right? How long can church, even if church is at two hours, you have a half an hour to get home, okay? Well, church was generally 45 minutes to maybe an hour or more. But then we had to go out for breakfast, with the grandparents. What do grandparents do at breakfast, Greg? They talk. And they, they talk. talk a lot. They talk a lot. I've, I've been done eating for a half an hour. Wrestling starts in 10 minutes. Can we go? <laughs> so that was my childhood. There's no DVR. I'm not setting the VCR when I'm six, seven years old. So that's, that's kind of where I was at. Now, as I would get older, I know a lot of people who've heard me on DWI podcast. Uh, I've known Frankie DeFalco since I was a young, young child. My dad played softball with him, so I knew him then. And the funny thing is, going into WrestleMania six, that previous August softball season, Frankie's like, oh, your kid's a wrestling fan. Hey, come on over here, kid. Who's your favorite wrestler? Well, Ultimate Warrior, right? He goes, well, I think you're going to be happy this coming April because he's going to win. So, like, everybody knew back then who was going to be winning that far in advance, right? And it was just crazy because I got to interact with that and kind of, as he says – smartened you up to the business at an early age. So I don't think it ruined my fandom. I think it increased it to see what is it going to take as a, I knew as a young child, what is it going to take more 
for these characters to become at the top of their game. And I think that was just an advantage as a fan growing up that it made me love it even more. Yeah, it's so funny you talked about everybody knew what was going to happen. And, and that's, you know, the Internet really changed that because now they don't even tell the talent what's going to happen until they get to the building. Because, you know, most of the leaks that happen in the news sites is actually from talent. And, and, and you know, just like NFL players complain about everything now, too. It's just the world we live in. Um, but, yeah, and, and knowing that, you know, you met somebody on the inside of the business at such a young age and that person who – you know, now promotes and runs. And so they get the, the business from all angles. Like it's, it's just so you just get a different perspective and, and to get that spoiled for you. Did that spoil it for you? Like when he told that story, is that when you found out, Oh, this shit's all right. Oh no, I was so, I, I was so, I was so excited because I was a warrior fan, right? Like, I mean, I, I was just bigger than life back then. Yeah. You know, you're what I was seven, eight years old. So it was just, I remember at that time I was so into wrestling that, my dad, when he would go on his jogs, I would go with him, but I would ride my bike. And yeah. I would just talk about wrestling the entire time to my dad and ask him, oh, who's your favorite guy? Who's your favorite tag team? And, like, he would never answer me. And as I got older, I realized he was jogging. It's really hard to hold a conversation while you're jogging yeah. at nearly full speed. <laughs> Especially with somebody else riding a bike and you try to keep up with them. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. But that's well, how I was, was too. Kid. As a kid, like, I would always want to talk about wrestling. And... No one would ever want to talk about it with you. And then when you made a friend that was like that loved wrestling, I mean, then you were just in forever. And and that, you know, was was, was I just remember when you found a friend who liked wrestling that really liked it, then then that was that was it for life pretty much. But um, yeah, I remember when I was I don't remember shortly after I started watching. All I know is I was with the Hart Foundation was in a tag team match and they were, you know, heels with Jimmy Hart as their manager and all that. And. I was watching it and, and was sitting in our house as a little kid and my sister's boyfriend was there and he basically was like, you know, this is fake, right? And I just remember being like, yeah, yeah, of course it's, it's obviously fake. And, and I mean, I was just, I think inside I was probably destroyed because I think once someone tells you it's fake, you look at it and you realize, oh, of course it is like, like the moment that that's that that's broken for you, it's obvious in in your head, and and because you've really been, you know, it's like someone telling you a movie's fake. Of course, the movie's fake. It's a movie, but it's it's that first time you realize, oh shit, this isn't actually a sport. Like it just becomes, you know, blown away. And I remember I had to. It, it probably took me like a little bit of time to process that as a kid. Like what I thought was one thing really wasn't that one thing, and so. You know, and I already knew Santa Claus wasn't real. I already knew that stuff. But man, wrestling to me was that. And so and so then I started looking at it very differently from that point forward, because then I realized I think that's when that, you know, wrestling was probably my first bit of creativity as a person when I realized, okay, someone's planning this stuff. So then I started watching it as, okay, so how else could it be planned? And, and, you know, just takes off from there. So but I do remember the day I found out, I don't know the date, but I still vividly remember that conversation when I found out. You know, this thing's this thing's rigged, predetermined, fake, whatever you want to call it. Because people you hate the word fake, but this is not on uh, fully on the level here. I'm not I'm not saying that I was this brilliant kid, but I think as growing up in that time, even younger, like my uncle and my dad, and then like my stepdad and like his friends were always into boxing too. So we would watch the big boxing pay per views and stuff like that, or fights or were on or whatever back then. And I think I always kind of in the back of my mind was like, 
there's no way you can get hit this many times and not be hurt compared to what I've seen in this other avenue that is completely 100%, you know, you know, it's real and happening. So I think that kind of maybe could be the difference in some people's exposure to other things that kind of connect along that lines. But I can see where as a kid, you can be like, you know, you can, you can keep Santa and the Easter bunny and the tooth fairy, but don't ruin professional wrestling for me yet. Yeah, it, but it did ruin it. It actually probably made it better, believe it or not, in the long run. So it, uh, I don't know if I'd still be as into it if it didn't happen that way and you start to look at things as that sort of creative process. So, I mean, should I put on wrestling shows now? Like, I don't, you know, it's obviously that's something that, that I bought into it at a young age. So, yeah, it's just, it, it is, you know, Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, whatever, finding none of those bothered me. Wrestling, bother, I think, bothered me. You talk about having friends and being able to talk wrestling with people. And I think as a little kid, my cousin would always get the pay-per-view. So I had someone like that, but no one really at school through grade school. I mean, here and there, someone would know who Hulk Hogan was or someone of that nature. But I meet DP my freshman year of high school. And we had another buddy of ours named John. I won't say his last name, but he got the pro wrestling torch. So you're talking 1995, 96, and wrestling is just about to explode. And I, I can't remember of any better time than being a fan, just getting into high school, just meeting friends that were into it as much as you were. And now I get to read this pro wrestling torch every month or whatever to see what's going on with the rest of this stuff to kind of open my mind up even more. And I think then by the end of high school, there's even going to be wrestling websites that I'm checking on there. But what, what were your kind of actions as far as, I know eventually you and Patrick would hit it off, but before that, I, you guys met in college, right? We met in, Patrick and I met in uh, working at the University of Connecticut. So we were adults by the time that we met. Um, okay. But I, I want to go back to what you said, because I was in college when um, I really first got the internet. And so uh, I plug in and everything, and, and Yahoo was very different. Yahoo was like what kind of came up by default. And, and it was all like this list format. It was nothing like it is today. Um, and, and I remember going through and I found, um, RSPW, which was rec sports pro wrestling, which was like recreation was a category. Sports was a subcategory and pro wrestling was a subcategory. And it was all message board and people were talking about this stuff and it was all this insider business. And I was like, what? Like, holy crap. And then I discovered, uh, what at the time was, was, 411 mania but it was a geocities site so anybody remembers geocities as, as a website provider it was that and that's where i started reading about it and that's when i started hearing all the insider terms and terminology and and followed on that regard and then discovered more wrestling websites later but um that was kind of my first peek behind the curtain in that way and and you know it would get more it would get crazier when i actually started putting on events or being part of that but um but that really was, was that for me, the story about Patrick. So I worked at the university of Connecticut. We worked in, in residence life and housing, basically people living in dorms. And I was brought in there. I was a mid-year hire, which is a big deal in, in that field, because you think of a school year, the middle of the year means somebody left in the middle of the year. They have a whole staff. They have all these students, everything's in place. And it should run just like a, just like a school year in a school, right? August to May or whatever. And, and I was hired mid-year to replace somebody because I had finished up my graduate program early. None of that's important. So I get there, and for some reason, a couple months in, they put me on the search committee to hire more residents to hall directors for the next year. 
So I'm on there, I'm just conducting interviews or whatever, and, and one of them was Patrick. And and he was a late addition to the thing. He, he was um, a little slow in his process, he'll tell you that. And so over the summer is when we were interviewing him. He comes out, he gets interviewed. Um, nothing major there and, and, and all that, but he gets hired. And he comes in, and the first thing we do when all the staff are together before training begins is like a mixer, right? You do this mixer, whatever. And he shows up, and he's wearing a shirt that says up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA start across the front of the shirt. And it says the code or know the code. And I was like, that's the Contra code. That's awesome. And he was like, you know. And so we start talking. And I think I was the one who just randomly was like, do you like wrestling? Like little kids, right, sitting there. And, and it's like, I do, and I used to watch it, and then nobody else would watch it. And so that was just born from there. And and that was, was you know, 16, 17 years ago. And we've been been best friends ever since. And, and so now he realized he had somebody he could watch wrestling with because he had largely gotten out of it because his fiance at the time was now his wife, hated it. All his friends hated it. Like he had nobody who was supporting this wrestling thing, whereas my wife – didn't like like wrestling and tolerated it, but eventually, you know, when Patrick came along, she realized she didn't have to worry about wrestling anymore, and so I think that was something <laughs> yeah. that that was good. Um, she's never been to a wrestling event since then, except the ones that I've actually put on, and uh, and and so Patrick and I started watching, and then we got into Ring of Honor and and started you know watching those videos and eventually going to Ring of Honor events, and um, and it just kind of grew from there, and then when I moved. It became everything over the phone, and, and that'll get into the podcasting story later. But um, so it was just him wearing a Contra Code shirt is what really started a lot of this. Talk to me about the next step for you, which would have been when did you start actually thinking, I, I, I love this so much. I want to get into helping them, helping these companies with their shows and then going, hey, I can I can run my own show. When did all that start? So. And when I moved from Connecticut back to Arizona, it was in 2006, I had done stand-up comedy and had done improv and all that. And so I had been in some really low-level, almost amateur-level forms of entertainment, right? But I knew that things were possible. That That's really what all that taught me. I knew that things were possible. And so when I moved to Arizona, I was like, okay, I want to get involved. And so I hit up two wrestling promotions. Um, ironically enough, the first one was IZW, Impact Zone Wrestling, which is what I now promote myself, and they didn't respond. And then I hit up uh, Rising Phoenix Wrestling, RPW. It was a new company. They'd only had one or two shows, and and I was trying to get in as, like, help, maybe be a ring announcer or whatever. And so they were like, yeah, we're meeting up at this. They were actually meeting at an IZW show because the time IZW was, was at a bar called The Sets in Tempe, Arizona. So we met there. And as we're talking um, about different things that we could do to help, because it was three guys that were running it, um, the ring announcer comes over. He was ring announcing for IZW and RPW and basically told them he couldn't ring announce for, for RPW anymore. He could only do IZW. And so they looked at me and they were like, can you be a ring announcer? And I was like, sure, I've done that before. No, I'd never done that before. I told them I did like MMA and boxing events, right? But I had been on stage as a, as a comedian. I had hosted comedy shows. So I figured I had enough to wing it. And so became a ring announcer and, and did some, some events ring announcing and, and, and just kind of took it from there. But being the ring announcer and helping out at RPW, I was involved backstage. I was there. You know, we'd meet up people's houses. And I didn't really have a lot of say in the planning of the shows, like booking-wise, even though I wanted to. Because that's really why those guys got into it. They wanted to book wrestling shows. 
and 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 it was like learning over time that it was horrible like they didn't know what they were doing they had no idea about long-term storytelling they had no ideas anything marketing their shows like it was all just bad and, and they take months off at a time and it would disappear and come back and really inconsistent and they always would bag on izw which was the local promotion that and and so i was like oh i you know it must be horrible right so then they merge with izw like i get this call from johnny who was the guy who was running it who hates me now but he's like yeah we're doing izw now we're gonna help them out so come to izw i was like okay so i go to izw and i see it i start to realize this isn't as bad as they told me it was like they're actually better at this than we are and so was getting involved and starting doing stuff and then a few months later Johnny and the IZW people had it out and he was like, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to go off and do our own thing. So you got to come here. And I was just like, no, I think I'm going to stay in IZW. And so that's why he hated me. Um, and so just started doing that. And, and that grew. And, and, um, and the guy who was running it at the time got a new job that required a lot of travel and he wasn't around. And he gave the book to a wrestler who didn't know how to book. Um, and so we'd show up and he'd have a whiteboard and he'd kind of scratch it all out. So I started emailing him ideas and I realized he's using every, e every idea I'm emailing him. Um, and it was fine. Like I didn't have any credibility with these people, so it didn't matter. And one day he's, he's laying out a plan that I'd emailed him and people had a lot of questions. And finally he was like, it's Greg's idea. Ask him. And, and so then me explaining the idea, that's the, that's the night it shifted. That's the night everybody was like, you're the guy we're coming to for these questions. You're the guy with the ideas. And so I was booking most of what we were doing until the bar that we ran in shut down and the company basically dissolved. And, and, and that was kind of it for that. But a really important piece of the story is towards the end of that, um, WrestleMania 26 was coming to town in, in Phoenix. And with WrestleMania 6, 26 coming to town, that meant Ring of Honor would probably be coming to town too. And because Ring of Honor was had been running WrestleMania weekend going back to WrestleMania 20 was the first time they did that. And people were like, you know, what can we do? How can we get involved? They use local wrestlers, this and that. And so same guy, same wrestler who, who was booking and I took over for him, who I became really close with and I'm still close with now, was like, you should reach out to them and see if you can help. And he was doing it to try to get in. Right. I was going to be like the end point. And so I so I emailed the president of Ring of Honor, Carrie Silken. It was October, um, the October before WrestleMania 26. And I was just like, normally you guys have your show announced by now. Um, you know, do you need help? I, I know of venues. I know of this. I know of that. And the next day I get an email from Sid Ike. Sid, Sid was the executive vice president. And and in it, like he had the whole email chain. So Carrie Silken had forwarded Sid Ike the email. And in it, it says, it's worth a shot because we have nothing out there right now. And so Sid reaches out to me and he's like, can we talk? And so I talked to him on the phone. I do some research. I locate a facility, Phoenix College. It's a community college, but it has a full basketball gym where they could run the events. And he's like, I'm going to fly out there. Can you, you know, take off on Monday? And so I pick him up at the airport, actually at his hotel, and we go to breakfast. And, and I remember he buys me breakfast and I still remember the conversation clear as day. Like, talk about an eye-opening experience. Now I'm sitting across from the vice president of, at the time, the third largest wrestling promotion in the world. And, and he's like, first of all, he was like, he's asked me about my family, whatever. And he goes, so you're really just a normal person. I was like, yeah, I'm really, why? He was like, normally whenever anybody hits us up wanting to help, they're a geek. 
and they can't help us and they can't do anything. He was like, but you like have a real job in business and this. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, wow. And, and so he's buying me breakfast and we go and, and we tour the facility. We tour all of that and it's dirt cheap. Like he was just like, he was like, how can I lock this in now? Like they were going to provide us with a building, chairs, security, like everything but a ring. And, and he was just like, and we need two events this day, this day, that, and that. He gave him a check right then and there. And it was super cheap. And he was so excited. And then we were driving around. And so it was time to go to lunch. And this is, this is a funny story that, that some people know, some people don't. But he was like, um, I've heard about the strip clubs in Arizona. Did any of those serve lunch? So I took the vice president of, of Ring of Honor at the time to a strip club to have lunch and and, and enjoy the, the company and and did all that. And then he was like, he decided he was going to get an earlier flight home and because everything was already in line. And he right then and there, he asked me, would you want to come work for us if that was a possibility? And, you know, you'd have to move to Bristol, Pennsylvania, this and that. And I was just like, I'm not moving my family. I'm not doing this it's like the wrestling world is so even hearing him the stories he was telling i was just like there's no way and so it's like i, I don't think i would be um and do you think if you were single at the time 100 percent, right i probably would have gone to bristol the next day like i probably would have been like yes um but you know at the time you've got a wife and, and and kids and and it's just nothing that you know you can't just uproot like that for something that's so risky and and sure and so that um which is funny because a year later, it was sold, and a lot of people were out of jobs. So, when Sinclair bought it, so it, you know, I probably would have been one of them. Um, part of me wishes I'd had, you know, obviously, but it, it's because it's exciting. But yeah, that's and, and I learned. So I remember sitting there at the breakfast table talking to him about the Young Bucks, and because the Young Bucks at the time were working a little bit for Ring of Honor, but really for Dragon Gate USA because their TNA contract prevented them from working with Ring of Honor. And telling him about how when I was when we were running RPW shows, the Young Bucks drove out from California and no one knew who they were at the time. They were Slick Nick and Mr. 450 is who the Young Bucks were. That was their names. Um, they weren't even Nick and Matt Jackson yet. And they drove out all the way from California and then in the locker room demanded double their pay. The Young Bucks did. And they were always dicks. The Young Bucks were. And so I've always hated the Young Bucks for this reason. And I told him that story and he said they were like that until they went to Japan. And when they went to Japan, they got straightened out, basically. And so then they were much easier to deal with. Um, and that was the last time we used the Young Bucks. They, they you know, worked the show. I think they got paid the original rate. I don't know. And we never used the Young Bucks again. And they were never heard from again. Yeah. And who knows whatever happened with those, which is funny, too, because <laughs> one of our guys, one of our, one of the, because at the time it was only, four of us running it because one guy bowed out another guy jumped in one of the guys was like these dudes are going to be big stars and the rest of us were like no they're never going to be big stars and he was right they're they're you know love them or hate them they're big stars and but i remember you know dealing with the young bucks and the young bucks were were on those shows joey ryan who of course is you know nowhere to be found anymore Mm. was on those events frankie kazarian worked some of them as well so those are kind of the biggest names that we had um when we partnered with the NWA, they brought in a few people. Um, this guy by the name of Mikey Nichols, who was Nick Miller in NXT and has now gone home. And then some dude that nobody had ever heard of named Carl Anderson. So he he worked some of those shows as well. He was Carl Machine Gun Anderson. Him and Joey Ryan were the real American heroes. And he was great. Carl Anderson was always great. I, I really enjoyed Carl Anderson. Um, 
but it was just my indoctrination into the world of wrestling and the good and the bad and, and, and everything and, and being screwed over and being shafted and, and all that stuff and seeing it happen. I remember Sid Ike, the vice president of Ring of Honor, telling us that, you know, he was talking about there was a rumor that WWE was blocking them from all the local facilities, which wasn't true at all. That WWE had only had the, the, the convention center booked up and that was it. And he was like, but you know, I'm not surprised. He's like, in this business, sometimes you either, you have to fuck somebody before they fuck you. Like, that's just the way it works. And I remember him telling me that and hearing that. And that was because Gabe Zapolsky had left Ring of Honor, started Dragon Gate USA. And he was just like, they're losing money like crazy. And and that's, that thing's not going to work out long term. And it didn't. He was right. Um, it, it, it was just so much. I learned so much. And it really shaped my perspective. To the point that when I went back and helped with an indie show in May, I I just couldn't do it. I was just like, this is so terrible. The things they were doing. I helped with this indie show in May of that year. It was called Elite Extreme Wrestling. They'll get mad that I'm telling this story, but I don't care. And they had, it was their first ever show. What's that? No one listens to us anyway. Go ahead. Keep going. (laughs) Yeah, 92% growth from from December to January. Um, (laughs) There's no one. No one listens. I know. I Pot is War and, and Bandwagon Nerds love to stick to that 22 number all the time. I love it. But um, it's – so I'm at this event called Elite Extreme Wrestling, and I was there for probably 12 hours from prep to, to start to run the show, whatever. And the thing that turned me off was the guy showed up with the T-shirts. They had ordered a bunch of T-shirts so they could sell them at the show. And, and he brings in the big box of shirts and everything, and the guy, the promoter, he goes, yeah, I'll, I got – come out um, – let me grab your money for you. So they go outside. They're going to go outside to the guy's car to get the money. They walk out the door. The promoter shuts the door behind him. And the guy's banging on the door behind him and never pays him for the T-shirts. And I'm just like, I want to. I, at that point, I was like, I want to go home. I didn't. I stayed and did the whole thing. And that was the last wrestling show that I was a part of until I ran my own thing in 2016. Um, and, and just because I was just like, this business is terrible. Like what I saw there. And that thing went up and down and, and whatever. And I tried to help him with a few more things, but like on, on the side, but never at the actual events. And that died off after a few months. Um, and that's when I turned to writing and ended up at 411 Mania, writing, writing about wrestling. But yeah, my indoctrination into wrestling was all about the bad shit. It really was. I want to stay chronological, sort of, and keep talking about you. And you talk about turning into the writing side. So talk about doing the 411 Mania thing starting a podcast and then kind of lead me into where we meet. <laughs> so I was writing and, and tried to start my own thing website wise. and It didn't really work out. And, and we used to always joke. I used to always complain about four one one and I even would do the New York Yankees thing and call it the evil empire. Right. And so I sent, so that, but then I, I was still reading it. Right. I was the typical internet wrestling hypocrite and, and they were hiring. And it was like 411 is hiring, which just means they were adding writers. It wasn't for pay or anything. And so I remember I had a few things that I had written already that I had published on my own. So I sent them in as samples. What I forgot is that in some of them, I was actually bashing the website. I was actually bashing 411 Mania. But I get an email from Larry Zonka, and he's like, hey, um, we'd like to bring you on board. We have this, this column that I've been doing on Fridays called The Wrestling 5 and 1. I can't do it anymore. And, and I think with your writing style and everything, you should take it over. So he gave me this column that was wildly popular already. And somebody else had been doing it. I think Jeff Dean was the guy's name. And Larry took it over when Jeff couldn't do it. And then I took it over from there. 
but I had a built-in audience and it was a gift it really was. And so, and from day one, I wrote the article and I put it out there and, and I did like anybody would do the next day I get up and I immediately go to the comments because the comment section was huge back then. I want to see what these people were saying. And they were either bashing the shit out of me or they loved what I did. And I realized that day I was like, okay, we have something here. And, 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 and that's when I learned even after promoting wrestling events and, and that, that put it into words for me that 100% the job is eliciting emotion. If you can get a reaction out of somebody, you've done well. Cause I used to always think people need to love this to follow it, but no, they just need to care about it to follow it, whether they love it or whether they hate it. Just like now people hate watch wrestling. WWE's ratings and business, ratings, whatever, but business has never been better. But yet all these people supposedly hate it. And it's because if you can elicit emotion, if you can get a reaction, you're being successful. And that was the biggest thing I learned from 411. So I kept going at 411 with my attitude, with everything, just being myself. And I would go at the commenters. Like, like I'd be in the comment section replying. Then I actually had a section of my column dedicated to the commenters where I would put in their comment and I would reply to it. And, and the comment section was toxic at that point because you could be anonymous like at the time. You could just plug in whatever name, put your comment and go. And it got so bad that Ashish, the guy who runs 411, the guy who owns it, sent an email to the entire staff and it was just like, oh, it's only about the commenters. And it basically said, we need to get away from arguing with the commenters. He's like, what we're doing, the commenters are toxic, they're taking over, it's distracting people, whatever. He literally says in his email, unless you're Greg DeMarco, don't talk to the commenters. Because my article was doing huge numbers and and it wasn't, like I think some of the writers were emailing him complaining about the commenters, whereas I was basically like, bring that shit on. Bring it fucking on, let's go. And and so that so that that was all of there. Um, I eventually got a, a gig at Geek Bleacher Report writing about wrestling, which I did for exposure. There was no money, and that pissed off four one one Manix. I didn't tell them, and I got this nasty email from Larry about it. And and so and and the problem is, I got this bug in my head that I could do it better than you, right? And 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 I could do this better than you. Um, now along the way, I appeared on the four one one with wrestling podcast, four one one on wrestling podcast, which is important. With Larry Zonka and Steve Cook. You know Steve Cook, obviously. And you know who Larry is, too. Um, and I appeared on there, and I discovered they were using Blog Talk Radio. It was the phone platform, and I was on their show. And I remember thinking again, the egotistical jerk that I am, I could do this. I could probably do this better than these guys. And so I researched Blog Talk Radio, and I was like, oh, you can record, you can upload sound bites, whatever. So I told Patrick, I was like, look, you and I will sit on the phone for an hour and talk about wrestling. Let's just do it through blog talk radio and turn it into a podcast and Patrick being Patrick does what he always does. Just goes along with whatever I say. He's like, okay. And so we do like one okay. practice. Yeah. K, Right. Um, and, and we do like one practice thing and, and then we go live and it was horrible. And, and that, that whole thing was, was born. It was myself and it was Patrick O'Dowd who loves to say, K. Awesome! I came to Okay. There's a price to pay. Time for you to get down on your knees. I came to Okay. And so that's what started the podcasting part of it. And and that's, you know, and the only reason it was called the Greg DeMarco show is because I didn't have another name. And that was supposed to be a working title. 
And and because I didn't want to name it after myself, I wanted wrestling in there somewhere. Um, but it just grew from that, and and then eventually starting my own thing, and I had multiple different websites, and nothing ever clicked. And then you know, I eventually, um, I think Dave was the first person that I somehow got linked up with, uh, David Ongar with Attitude of Aggression. As as at the time it was Yes Wrestling, and I was trying to build some other podcast together because I thought there was strength in numbers. And I'm pretty sure it was Dave who was like, somehow got me linked with, I don't know if it was a, you were on with them or what, but that's how I ended up finding out about you guys. Yeah. So that was interesting times. Um, I guess I'll go back a little bit because yeah, I think we were doing, we were doing, we were doing our show for a little while. Um, I had always been intrigued with sports talk radio. I've been enthralled with sports my entire life watching it listening to people talk about it like i and to this day i love watching uh get up on espn and first take where people don't enjoy stephen a smith to a certain point it's like you try and go out five days a week and make television interesting for people without really taking sides right so you kind of have to learn things from that so i was always intrigued with giving my opinion and we would have these grandiose conversations about stuff like you said you and patrick talk on the phone for an hour We'd be at the bar for four hours every week on a Friday night, me and Satchel McFlippins and DP and the general, and we'd talk about anything and everything. So I think it was Satchel McFlippins' wedding rehearsal dinner. Uh, me and him and the general and DP and Mike Mann and, and, and others are there. And it, Satch and the general weren't really big wrestling fans. They they were They knew of it, but Mike Mann and myself and DP, like, you know, as big of wrestling fans as, as you can be along with Greg and, and Patrick. And I said, why don't we start doing like a book club thing where once a month we'll go by somebody's house and review a pay-per-view. So we did one a month for an entire year. Right. And like you said, it was horrible. Like it sounded like, Hey, I got to make sure I get all my shit in here. Uh -huh. You know, like it's, it's just brutal. And then the things I would write down to say, were just ridiculous. I, I would, I would have to thoroughly cringe myself into like non, uh, positive space to continue to listen to some of those episodes, but that's how you grow. Right. And it's always funny to me as I talk to other podcasters and things of that nature, some people still listen to their shows. Some people never listen to their shows. Uh, I could tell you, I listened to my stuff for about 30 ish episodes and was like, okay, this is not helping. The only advice I can give to people is listen to stuff you're not sure about. If you want to listen to how you interact with somebody in an interview, great. If you want to listen to yourself, how you transition, great. If you're trying to stop saying, but, um, great. Go back and listen to all that stuff. Work on your timing and things of that nature. But don't listen to your whole show, you know? And I always went along the lines of if I can entertain myself, I can entertain somebody else, right? Pop yourself. You take that whole, at times... Uh, wrestling persona thing where you crank yourself up to a hundred instead of your normal 10 on a daily basis. But DP and I kept going and I wanted to do more with it. Right. And I hadn't talked to Frankie DeFalco maybe two or three times in 20 some years. Right. I'd seen him at a wrestling show or it, me and my dad caught up with him at a softball tournament that he was checking out. Lo and behold, DP and I are doing this, this podcast. We're just starting out. And who do I see at the grocery store? Frankie DeFalco. I haven't seen store. him in wow. years. Hey, Frank, how you doing? Great to see you. Oh, hey, how's your dad? You know, using, I'm not PC Tunney to him. 
So, you know, what's going on? How you been? You look good. You know, I'm like, oh, you still doing the wrestling show? Yeah, come on out and see me. So we came out, talked to him, stayed after the show. DP and I want to take the next step. I said, hey, can we come down to the wrestling school? Because he was telling us about it. Not to wrestle. By this time, I'm in my mid-30s. I've had an entire athletic career on multiple different sports, and I did not want to live the rest of my life with back and knee pain on top of what I already have. So we decided we want to go down and interview the students. And honest to goodness, the first person we interviewed and was there, and it was maybe his second week at school, was Aesop Mitchell. Uh, and, and what a great relationship that started. So hopefully we can get him back on one of these times, but that's kind of where the whole podcasting thing went for me. We would do DWI. We went to weekly. We were having so much fun. Uh, Kenny Killa from across the pond, him and Dave had been doing stuff for a while and Kenny had a thing where he would reach out to new podcasters and interview them for his show. And we came on and then we ended up doing something with Dave and that's how we met you. And we were just off and running, trying to learn everything we could. You know, listening to Kenny interview people early on, like Jake and DDP and Keith Lee and things of that nature, all the big stars that he did. And then getting even hooked up with you and then refining that even more so. You know, learning from you even more on, on do this here, don't do that there. And, you know, you'd probably tell the story best of the day we went from Yes Wrestling to someone else. Or well, the day we became Yes Wrestling. And then the, there's another day where you're like, we need to change this. So why don't you pick up the story from there? So I was, um, it was after work. I'd want to talk to you guys. And I remember setting it up to where it was going to be you, me and DP that would have this conversation. And I knew like, yes, wrestling was fun and, and it was, that it was, it was okay. But I was like, man, it's just not, I don't know. I didn't feel the brand, right? I had had multiple different websites and, and, I knew the content was good. I knew we could do this, but it was just like, it wasn't, I don't think the brand was anything people can sink their teeth into. And so I started reading around and, and trying to come up with different names and, and, and different names for a website. And a lot of web domains are taken, taken, you know, people just squat on them. Right. But I was like, well, the ringer has the in front of it. So maybe if I put the in front of something, I can get it. And that's how we ended up. I ended up figuring out the chair shot. So I get with you and, and, and with DP and I was just like, Hey, here's what I'm thinking. I was like, I want to blow this thing up, rebrand it, start fresh, create the chair shot, have, you know, put all these podcasts together. We can have a chair shot radio network. And, and what's funny is I was just like, you know, this is going to be the last thing these two guys want to do. Like they're just doing their thing. They're doing their show. Whatever. So you didn't, I, so, so I, you never told me that you never told us yeah, that I didn't this figure, part of the story. Cause that's still, like we, at, you at the, have, I said, you and I have had this. We've told this story, like you've told this story while I've been around many times. We've kind of gone over that things of nature like that, but I've never known that in the back of your head, like you thought for sure these guys are just going to be really politely say no, probably. (laughs) Yeah, I really did. And, and, but you guys were on it from the beginning, like like from the initial jump of the conversation, you guys were on board. And, and so there, and I remember I was literally standing outside of a target, um, having this conversation (laughs) on a cell phone. And, and try to be like, is anybody listening to this stupid shit I'm talking about? Like, um, and, and I was just like, this is what I want to do. And, and I, had, I think I'd already had the domain and I started setting up the website, like I already had the domain bought, but it, nothing else. And it was just, okay, let's, let's roll with it. And of course that was 2017. And, and so then we launched the chair shot right around Thanksgiving of 2017 and, 
and and things you know and andrew was writing with Re yes wrestling and so he came over and started doing more and, and eventually you know became the editor and and it was just it just grew and changed from there but you know um the chair shot logo is actually um was used for something else and uh, i this a, a guy took the picture of stone cold steve austin hitting the rock with a chair at wrestlemania um i think 15 and turned it into this just like that silhouette of it and so when we became the chair shot i used that because it was a chair shot and kind of put it beside the stuff and then um when eric came on board of the chair shot he knew a graphic design guy who hit me up who made the circular logo and some other stuff that that you know work that, that he did um and that's been been the branding ever since but you know that's that was my you'd always hear the word branding from a marketing perspective branding branding so important branding so important and i i think whenever i discovered yes isn't working let's try this that was like that was the moment that i realized okay this is you know sometimes people say stuff's important and you're like oh it's really not and then you realize oh it actually is and that's when i realized branding was so important so that's when we became the chair shot and you guys took over chair shot or started chair shot radio and take it over it didn't exist and and it's just been, then you know, on on from there, and and it was, uh, you know, it's it's been a ride. It's it's been, you know, you guys roped in Platt, and and we got Belaz up on board, and and we just rolled with it, you know. I, I yeah, it's it is hard to. I mean, it does seem like a long time ago, right? You know, uh, what Thanksgiving time of, or right around there of of twenty seventeen. So yeah. that's over three years ago, but. I feel like we're in like the best place we could be right now without saying too much to anybody that's listening um, on private conversations we're talking about. But let's talk a little bit about like, I want to know, I want to hear you tell people how you set up a show, like things like that. We've, we've gone through the story, you know, people know we're here and we're having a blast doing Cheer Shot Radio. I hope everybody listening is enjoying that because for us to put out content every day and become even more consistent we're hoping to just get more listenership and interact with people even more so. But people listen to a lot of people listen to these shows. What are you thinking when you're setting up a show and how are you trying to execute different things of that nature? You know, without me asking too specific of things, you know, specifically to how you run stuff. No, it, it's very interesting because it has grown and, and like initially, you know, it would just be some stuff scratched out on paper and, and we'd go with it. And eventually I, Google searched for like what, you know, some, some run some radio show rundowns, radio show formats and got some different things. And I had tables and stuff, whatever. And now it's evolved into an outline. I just put together an outline, um, that I actually send, like when we do the baby face heel podcast, I send it to Patrick and Miranda, um, earlier that day. And I have my opening and it's bullet points and it's all the same shit every time, but I want to make sure I don't miss everything. And then I have, you know, Miranda's going to sell t-shirts and then, um, and, and if there's a sale, I put that in there and then commercial break number one. And then like this week's topic was Alexa Bliss changing characters. And what I actually do now is I actually write the intro to the topic word for word. And, and so I actually script it, I should say. And that's something that I learned from presenting and, and talking on stage is that I would, 
I, I work best off of bullet points, but my biggest challenge was how do I transition from one thing to another? So I used to write my transitions word for word and bullet point everything else. And so that's what I started doing here. And I found out that it's always gone best when I, when I write it out. And then we start the discussion and it helps them too. It helps them prepare. And so I write out my, my transitions from one thing to another and just follow that outline. And, and I look at time. So, you know, sometimes when, you know, I remember back in the days of the Greg DeMarco show, we would do a WrestleMania preview and we'd have like six people on and the show would be like three hours long. And I was just like, dude, that's horrible. <laughs> and, and, you know, you remember when you did the hundredth DWI, I was just like, just put me in the beginning of it, please. And, and I remember, um, but that, but to my credit though, that wasn't everybody at once. That was a collection. Yeah. You guys, that's even more work. Oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, we would do everybody at once. Cause I had gone on shows like WrestleMania previews. I went on one, one time that had 12 people on it and it was like 30 minutes between me speaking and, and I'm sitting in a parking lot about to go watch WrestleMania cause it was live with a friend of mine. And like, I need to go inside. Like the show is going to begin. We're still talking about it. Um, but, but I, so, so timing is a big thing for me. So I really got down to that one big topic, one smaller topic, and then like whatever the closing in, which now is the three minute warning. Um, and that's what we've done. And now we do the one big topic. We evaluate one wrestler. Should they be a baby face or a heel? And then we do the three minute warning, which is a shorter topic. And, and now the shows are under an hour each time. And we've really got it down to that, that, that good, good thing, but it's, it's evolved. I mean, I've been doing this for almost 10 years and so I've, I've learned and I've learned by sucking and, and screwing things up and, and messing up and doing all of that. And so that's what's been mine. But I use Word documents and, and I send it to, to Patrick and Miranda via email or the get like this week with Miranda not being on. Derek Montia is going to be back, um, which is a funny aside because Derek has always filled in for Patrick and always claimed he's going to steal Patrick's job. Patrick and Derek have never been on air together. So that's going to be hilarious this <laughs> yeah, coming Wednesday. Um but that's literally been how we've uh, how how we've grown and changed, and of course, you know, trying to get Patrick more involved over the years and and do all of that. Um, of course, now he has his own show and his own article and everything. But it's literally, yeah, it's just it's just how can I be organized, feel like that I can do my best work and put out the best product. And I know you organize things. You've got the the you know you told me earlier just to to to, to hold back the curtain. You're going on notebook number eight. And so, you know, tell people because it and there's no one right way to do it. That's the thing. Like you do it differently than me and I wouldn't tell you to change it because that's you know, that, that's the whole thing with the chair shot. Like I, you know, initially I used to want things to be streamlined and similar, but I realized it's just better to let people do their own thing. And, and that's a big reason why people come out is because they want that creative outlet. But you do it differently. How do you do it? Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking full you know, what, 80-sheet college rule notebooks that I like to work old school on. I don't like pencils. I use a pen. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I probably get on a single sheet of paper. I don't use the back. I use that for different things, different notes. But I'll probably get four or five shows on a sheet. So that's literally a thing. When you hear me say on the on the DWI podcast, the big show sheet, that's literally a sheet of paper with what's happening on the show. Now, very general uh, topics I write out. Um, and then I try to communicate – through text message. I mean, you're, you're a executive producer, co-creator, pod is war, very much involved with the show. And on the, on the stream that we basically Wednesday morning, we record Wednesday night, Wednesday morning. Hey, it's Wednesday. You know, what, what are we talking about today? Someone will throw out topics. And by the time we get there, 10, 12 minute meeting before the show, everybody knows what's going on. 
DWI is different in that sense that I'm running that whole show, you know, like I'm transitioning here and there without a structure for the most point, just kind of seeing how long the conversation is going to go, but they generally know what we're going to do. And the structure there is easier because you know, you're going to get trivia. You know, you're going to get a last call. I like to build things into a show much like a morning show would, you know, you're going to use up so much time. You need to have different things to go to and lean on. But at the same time, I'm always challenging myself. And this sounds so cliche. I'm always challenging myself and the other people I work with, hey, come up with something different for next week. Even if you think it's going to suck, try it. It might be the best thing that ever sucked, and it's hilarious, you know. So you never know without trying. Experimentation and trying to do something different, but staying within a familiar structure has always worked for me. Where you like to write out the beginning of stuff, you know me. I love to go off the cuff, right? I mean, so I'm always just kind of letting things come up into my head. I know I come up with all these alliteration things at times, too, and like Greg says, that that doesn't that part of it doesn't just happen for me. For me, I generally start sitting down, getting my computer open about 45 minutes before a show, and I'll just start thinking of things and trying to be funny and crazy and cool. And, you know, when you were a kid, you wanted to be a professional wrestler. I'm sure you looked in the mirror and said, Ultimate Warrior, if you win that belt, I'm going to kick your ass, you know? So you just kind of got to draw off of that thing and the person that you want to be and, and put it out there for people and have fun. I mean, having fun is the most is the most important thing. Cause like you said, we, we, we spend a lot of time on this and it means a lot to us, but if we're not having fun, what's the point, you know? And that's why it's good to kind of take a break sometimes, but man, I'll tell you, if you want to get listeners in consistency is King, that's for sure. It is. It really is. It's, it's funny. Cause you talk about that, you know, you meet for 10 or 12 minutes before a show or whatever. And we don't really do that. We kind of, we're on, you're here, you're here. Okay. Let's just go ahead and start. Sometimes I start recording and they don't know it and, and get the tail end of the conversation. It's a very, a very dp move i, I learned very, it very cold open DP move <laughs> i learned it from you guys where i just you know you cut in and they're laughing and joking about something and then all of a sudden i was like yeah well everybody knows that now because it's we're recording and i press the button and start the show and start to you know play the opening sound um but it's interesting because that's how you know my show works with the hashtag miranda show sometimes when we're texting because she's she's grown into being you know my other best friend um, we'll text and she'll be like, I'm thinking about doing this for the show. I'm thinking about doing this or I don't know until right beforehand. Like sometimes on my show, I'm like, Miranda, tell, you'll hear it. I'll be like, Miranda, tell everybody, including me, what we're going to be talking about on the hashtag Miranda show that way. I do that one. I don't know what the topic is. And, and she laughs and then she's like, yeah, I'm thinking about doing this and we do it. And, and I can tell like she's, she's learned how to format and structure a show based off of the rundowns and everything else. And I know I've never seen a bandwagon nerds rundown, but I bet I know what it looks like. Because I, uh, you know, it's very, I bet it looks a it's lot very like well mine. Done. Patrick, Patrick is excellent. He gets that out ahead of time. And mm-hmm. the nice thing about bandwagon nerds is a lot of times there's an article or a, uh, especially with previews in the entertainment side, uh, uh, a trailer, right? How, how, how easy is it to prepare for a show when you can read an article in three minutes and watch two trailers in five minutes and you have an hour worth of content to talk about. And all you had to do was take less than 10 minutes to watch something and read a few paragraphs. I mean, yeah. th- those guys have done an excellent job. I told them before. I, I mean, I try to sit in the back in that show and not try to be as much talkative unless we're talking about the first opening thing. But at the same time, if I'm not doing nothing on Sundays, I want to sit down and listen to it because I don't have time to listen to it any other time right. during the week. So I literally am their live studio audience. That's how yeah. much I like that show. No, it is. It's great. Like the two of the things that I'm most proud of on the podcasting side, 
I have nothing to do with. It's pot is war, and it's bandwagon nerds. Um, oh, you have a lot. Both of them, though. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I'm really proud of the hashtag Miranda show. We were sitting at, at the Royal Rumble when I was just like, hey, you want your own show? And we just kind of developed it like while watching the Royal Rumble in 2019. But it was, it was yeah, pot is war and, and bandwagon nerds. Pot is war was, you know, it was born out of part of the interruption. You know that. Like, that was how we came up with it. And I hit you up with the idea. And it was, and again, that was one of my things, like, are people really going to be on board with this? Because I came to you with this idea where it basically was like, I want, I knew I wanted Platt, and I think it was your idea to have Andrew. And I was like, and I want you to record it. I want you to do all the work. And I don't want to do any of it. Well, you knew at the, at the time, we knew we had, we knew what we had with Platt. And I, yeah. and I, and I try to, I, I hate talking about my friend as far as being a commodity in the podcasting industry, but that's what he is. And I hope he takes that as a compliment, and I'm sure he would. But you knew that you had to put somebody on the other side of his personality that meshed with him. And I think at the time you knew that I would make sure it didn't get out of hand and would actually get recorded and posted. <laughs> yes. Cause I knew Platt, you know, couldn't just do all that on his own cause he, he goes off, but Andrew had been filling in or had, had been working on the reaction at the time, which was sure. the raw reaction originally. And so I had listened to that and heard him and heard his attitude and heard that. And I was just like, okay, this is a good, cause we can't have two Platts. We can't have two Andrews like that wouldn't be fun. But I was like, okay, these two guys could work well together. And so it really fell into place with those guys. And I remember, you know, and, and to Platt's credit, he's his own biggest critic. Like, he hates almost everything he does. And I'm just like, that was phenomenal. Like, why do you hate it? Um, and Pot is War just took off from there. And it's had a couple different iterations. But since the, the last comeback, which is she's almost, you know, two years ago now, it's just been like... It's 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 perfect. I just love listening to it. And bandwagon nerds, that was actually I think that was part of it was like Rick throwing stuff out there and recording and and I remember talking to Patrick and being like you could have your own thing, and 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 he was like if we did this like I remember he, he did the same thing I did. He he asked me he's like do you think you'd be willing to put it on the website? And in the back of my head I'm like how is that even a question? What's the fucking point if we're not going to? Right? I was like, of course I'd be willing to put it on the website. And we had done some non-wrestling things at that point. But, um, but yeah, and I remember listening to the first Bandwagon Nerds. And, and you know, and originally it was called Bandwagon Nerds because Rick was the bandwagoner. And Dave and Patrick were the nerds. And <clears throat> that didn't work out. And, and it kind of became what it is now. But I remember after listening a few times, I remember telling Patrick, listen, because it wasn't as organized at first. Like, if you go back and listen to the original ones, it was. And I remember telling Patrick if this is going to work, I need this to be your thing. Like there was a lot of, you know, Greg said this, Greg said this, Greg said this. And I was just like that. You have the, you, you know what to do. You've been doing this for 10 years. You know what to do. You just need to do it. And he did. And, and, and he, you know, and at first it was almost a little too much and he had to pull it back and we all do that. And, and it really became what it is now. And, and yeah, like you said, like those guys have it down, they do an excellent job, and I can literally listen as a fan, and that's what what I'm so proud of is the fact that, and I'm proud of Patrick because it's way out of his comfort zone. I I pull him way out of his comfort zone all the time, you know. Now with the, the the nerd review every week, all that stuff, but it's just listening to it. Sometimes it hits me. I was just like, man, this is, you know, this is why you do this. This is why you, you know, this is this is why I work so hard at this. Is so my best friend can. You know, my two best friends have their own shows and, and they, they love them and they put so much thought and effort and energy into them. It's like, 
how could I never, you know, if I never did anything and, and never had time to do any of this stuff anymore, I'd still make sure those two shows happened for that reason. Because they, you know, and, and even Pot is War as well, because you green light things and you just, when, when you're the executive producer, when you're the person, even you with, with Bandwagon Nerds, it, it holds a different place for you. It holds a different place in your heart. It holds a different source of pride because you're not really the reason it's successful and but you want it to be and that's just totally different totally different feeling yeah and it's funny because a lot of the things in our lives do run along parallel planes you consider what patrick has become and then you look at dp you know starting with them on bandwagon nerds having a lot of things change in his life be it job and family health and things of that nature having to pull back a little bit but then taking the time during the week and, and creating another show on the entertainment side and in a winner is you and you know, this might become a, a, a infomercial for the Chairshot Radio Network, but it, it's crazy because, you know, we have so many people that are intelligent as far as sports go. You know, myself and Ray and, and Chris try to do a great job there. You, you're going to look for even more things next year. Steve Cook is going to be even bigger involved. That guy is brilliant when it comes to sports. Check out everything that he really does. Is. But, you know, I, I just love the new the new tag. You know, you always use your head, but sports entertainment and sports entertainment, I think we're just – we're only hitting the very tip of the iceberg to use another cliche here. I think people should really continue to enjoy everything we're doing. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's grown so much. And, and, um, you know, and with cook cook is cook. I met cause of four one one mania and, and cook and I, um, and cook will admit it. Like we didn't always get along because he was there before me. And I came in and, and basically the equivalent of, you know, the wrestling equivalent of, you know, strapping the rocket to somebody because I was having at it with the listeners and, and my numbers were skyrocketing. And I think, and I was starting a podcast, whatever. And I think Cook was like, okay, this sucks. Um, here I've been with Larry the whole time, but then Cook and I got along and, and for a while I wouldn't let Cook come on my shows and stuff like that. And then, you know, we made up and all that. And now he's part of the chair shot and a big part of all that. And he's been really busy outside of, you know, with, with work and all that, but it's just, and with sports, like it's just, he's such a big sports nut and, and has a great sports mind and he knows how to communicate it and it's good. Yeah. I want to personally, personally, I would like to thank you for bringing him into our fantasy football league. I just wanted to thank you for that. Yeah. Guy. Cause he kicked your ass. Um, <laughs> Oh yeah. Congrats, Steve. Congrats. He did. No, but he, that's the thing. He's great at fantasy. He's good at all that stuff. And he just needs a platform and, and it's, it's, he's been at this thing for, for longer than any of us. And, and he's, he's so talented and he does such a great job and to have him on board, you know, for a long time, Steve's thing was like, you know, my guys are you and Larry. And, and I remember, you know, Larry Zonka, of course, passed away last year and with all the craziness of 2020, one of them was Larry Zonka. And I found out from Steve Cook, I woke up one morning and had a text from Steve Cook and he just says, so Larry died. And I was just like, what? And so we we're going back and forth. He told me how he found out. And I reached out to Ashish in, in 411. And Tony Acero's has become a huge part of that, filling in for Larry. But it's just, you know, it, it really is a community. It really is all of that. And Steve has been a huge part of that. He just needs the right platform and, and the right people to push and market because that's not what he's good at. But he's great at, at, at creating and putting out that content. Um, you with, you know, sports, and you, you talked about sports, entertainment, sports, entertainment, and chair shot reading and all that. Like, um, what a lot of people don't maybe not understand, maybe they can, if they, they're smart, they can figure it out if they're savvy. You have come up with, I'm changing topics, the creativity level that you exude is, is huge. And, 
it's it's been nuts like all the stuff that we've come up with and the things that we want to do like a game show and like these other things um and i never forget about that stuff it's people need to know like tony creatively is probably the most creative person we have here like i remember when you messaged me and you were like i want to do chair shot radio i want to bring it back and here's my vision for it and i've learned to, to say yes as often as possible it's when people want to do things <laughs> and and i was just like i want to get in it you know i'll do these two nights and, and figure out schedule wise and since day one since the first one and and listening to all of them i mean it's just it was your passion project from the beginning but i mean everybody's bought into it everybody enjoys it the shows do well. They're a lot of fun to put together. You know, sometimes I record them in my car. Sometimes I record them on the microphone. It just depends on, on the situation. But that's, it just gives people a different look, a different insight. And and with Pot is War and with Three Man Weave, like you talked about earlier, and, and now trying to put together some NFL stuff, it's just, I, I'm sometimes floored. Like when you step back and realize we put all this stuff together, like it's just crazy. Crazy to think about what it is and where it is and, and what it, you know, could still become. I, uh, I, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll begin to wrap this show up. I've had a blast. This is exactly what I wanted to talk about. And I think people are really going to enjoy listening to this. Um, thanks. Thanks for Miranda for having me on the show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> by the way, I did want to uh, ask, um, I do, before you do that, before you wrap it up, I just, um, couple things. Yeah. Uh, number one, because I have to get, we have to, you know, Squeeze all these these. Well, I was going to give you the last. One. I was going to give you the last word. Oh no, and I want and I want to have that. This is different than that, but um, right. you know, I want to make sure that we have an opportunity to to play the commercials where we need to play them as well. So, um, quickly, I, I you know this is this is the hashtag Miranda show, and I just want to know you know uh, she, she, so she's not here, but yeah, she, she likes to chime in at times. Miranda, um, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. How are you, Greg? I mean, I'm doing fantastic as well. Tony, you doing fantastic? Uh, fantastic. If I was George... This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Aw, pudding. Yeah, if I, was, if I was George Hamilton, I'd be tantastic. All right, so now that I got my bad <laughs> joke out of the way, one of my favorite ones. People usually laugh if they hear it for the first time. Anytime after that, they hear it as a groan. But I just want to say a couple things. One, I'm really thankful for the position we're in as, as a website and as a group of people working together. I think it's great. Um, I want to thank everybody that's put everything together, helped out with anything. Chairshot Radio, Chairshot Radio Network, all the writers. Mitchell does great um, reviews on everything. The guy's amazing. So we have a very talented group of people. I'm too too long a list to mention everybody. The other thing I want to say is anybody listening that thinks that they could write an article or want to write an article or have an opinion that would sound good in a podcast or something like that, go for it. Just go for it. You never know what could happen and you only get better by continuing to try things. So I'm just happy where I'm at. Thank you to all the listeners mainly. Please keep listening because like Greg said, 
there's so many ideas that are on the back burner right now. And once we just keep rolling and get into this new groove even more, we're going to have more time to entertain your earballs even better. Yeah, it, it's it's I, I'm so thankful to everybody who gets involved with this, who gives of their time. I mean, this is a hobby and, and we're trying to turn it into something bigger and other things have turned it from a hobby into something bigger. And I believe in the people we have. I believe in the product we put out. Um, my role has really shifted more from fixing things that people do to getting them to do more, to figuring out ways to market, to all that stuff. Like it's it's that's how good we have it. And and that's why um, when people try to come in, it's like, okay, we, I want to see where they're at. Like there was a time where we would just take anybody and figure it out. And now we can't just take anybody and figure it out. Um, hell, our podcast schedule is so slammed. It's crazy. And, and it's, you know, and there's only so many, you know, listeners, there's only so many, so many listens you can do. You know, there were times where we were putting out like four and five shows on certain days and two on the others. And we leveled that schedule out so that it's a little bit better. Um, and remember, we're all doing this while we have, you know, lives and jobs and families and all that stuff. Um, I just love what we do so much though. Like I, I'm so passionate about the chair shot. I'm so proud when I see that logo, when I see, hear people talking about it. Um, one of my proudest moments as a podcaster actually goes back to before the chair shot ever. I think it was 2014. I was at a wrestling event, um, that some friends of mine put on, uh, Gabriel Gallo and Dom Vitale, you know, you know, Dom and, and they were putting this event on and it was after the event. I was sitting there with Jack Jameson talking to him and talking to a fan and the fan was talking about Gallo or whatever. And I remember, and the fan didn't know who I was. I was just the guy there talking to Jack Jameson and the fan was talking about an interview here with GQ Gallo. He was like, I listened to this interview with Gabriel Gallo and it was on the Greg DeMarco show and blah, 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 blah. And I'm standing there and it was like an out of body experience. I was like, someone just talked about my show and they don't know I'm standing right here. Like if I wasn't here, this conversation would still take place. And Jack Jameson, the pro wrestler, was like, this is Greg DeMarco. And I'm just like, no, I should be touting you. You should not be touting me. And it was just, and I remember I immediately called Patrick. I was just like, you'll never believe what just happened. And 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 that was like just to have that experience. But now if I see someone talk about the chair shot, I remember sometime last year somebody posted a picture and they were wearing their chair shot t-shirt. Like my dream is to still see like somebody wearing a chair shot t-shirt on television. That hasn't happened yet. And and just the way that people have bought into the brand. I mean, Miranda flaunts that thing everywhere. Like she if she goes to an event, she's wearing chair shot stuff. Like it's just insane what people are doing and, and how they've bought into this, this, this little engine that could still is a little engine that could. And, and, and you talked about Mitchell, like Mitchell came on board back in the, in the pro wrestling dot biz days and, and just, you know, just loves doing this and, and is so good at it. And, and if you haven't ever read one of Steven Mitchell's recap and results reports do so because they're written, it's like 50% kayfabe, 50% not. So it's, it tells you the story and he does it like, what's going to happen next? We'll find out. But then he's also like, my God, that sucked. Like, it's really like he, he definitely he has both sides to it. And I don't think anybody else does that. And 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 when we went to the he wrestling news fiasco, they wanted Mitchell so bad. And, and when it fell apart, Mitchell was like, I'm not going there. But it was, you know, he's just so great and so fantastic. And we're so lucky to have Mitchell, just like we're lucky to have Cook and Andrew and, and, and Platt and you, like kind of the OGs since this thing started. Almost everybody who was here at the beginning is still here. Ones that jumped on board then jumped off. And and some have gone on other things and some just don't do it anymore. And it, it's it's been, you know, 
it's been a great ride, but I am so appreciative of everybody who contributes, everybody who listens, everybody who retweets, who shares things, who tells someone to listen. People have sent writers our way. People have sent podcasters our way. And, and it's, it's, I can't thank people enough because that's what keeps it going. Like I can't take that time off. Can't take a day off from, from this or whatever, because it, you'd let down this whole group of people and don't want to do that. It's because of everything that we've put together and, and what we've been able to do with this brand. And it goes back to that conversation in November of 2017, where we said, I think the only thing missing is a brand. And this is the brand I want to do. And, and after five other brands, a brand finally stuck. And you always hear that, you know, you know, Michael Jordan got cut from his freshman basketball team. And you hear stories about, you know, before starting, you know, Amazon, Jeff Bezos had all these other failures and every, you know, you hear rich people and, and these famous people and, and successful people, and they can tell you all the stuff they failed at. And, and we don't know those things because we only see the successes. And there are so many things that had to go wrong before the chair shot could go right that it's now I view it as, as it's, it's this child that's grown up and now it's a toddler and it is just an amazing thing to see. And I can't thank people enough for being a part of it and wanting it to grow, wanting it to succeed and just not bailing on it. It's, I don't, I can't imagine not doing it at this point. I really can't. Yeah, I completely agree. You couldn't, couldn't have said it better. So people just, expect to continue to see even more and uh we'll even surprise those expectations too we always have we always have so awesome well this has been the hashtag miranda show <laughs> That's so thanks for listening everybody thanks for listening to this edition of the hashtag miranda show uh you can follow miranda morales on instagram at the hashtag miranda she is not on twitter she can't get on Twitter because then she can no longer be the Twitterless heroine. Um, she barely has time for Facebook, but she's also at the hashtag Miranda there. Uh, of course, you can follow myself at ChairShotGreg on all those forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That was all different stuff, so there's reasons to do that. I do put on wrestling events under the banner of Impact Zone Wrestling, which I was you know, telling the story earlier, IZWWrestling.com, IZWWrestlingAZ on, on social media. I would promote ticket sales, but... Our show on February 27th is kind of already sold out. It's been sold out a, a month before. Um, so thank you to everyone who's been part of that. But obviously you can follow along with that, of course. Um, and, and I'll let you know the other things you're going to plug. But follow the website at ChairShot Media. Visit thechairshot.com. Bookmark that for all things sports, entertainment, and sports entertainment. It's thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. The only person who can challenge Christopher Platt is his girlfriend, Amber. So that's, uh, think about that. But, um, yeah, follow along all that stuff. Of course, the, uh, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. Pick up your chair shot t shirt. Those things go a long way to supporting all of this. These things don't just happen. They have to be be paid for and 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 put forth, and they have backing behind them, and, and we do all of that. But every little thing you do definitely goes a long way to help that. So, Tunny, I'm gonna let you plug the rest of the stuff. Uh, follow me at PC Tunny. Continue to listen to Chair Shot Radio every single morning, whatever whatever streaming you service you use, or head to thechairshot.com. You can listen to it on your phone that way as well. 8 a.m. Eastern, every single morning, a new show. Whether it's brand new content or a flashback Friday with a great old interview, you're going to get something you like. I, I can't say it enough. Chair Shot Radio Network, man. I, I believe in it. 
chair shot. It's not a website, like Platt says. It's a movement. And Miranda, thanks for having me on, girl. I'd say you're welcome for her, but I don't know how she's going to... She's going to love it. I guarantee you she's going to love it. She's going to send me a text message that's going to say three words. This is such good shit. I guarantee you, because I'm not telling her we're doing this till it goes up on on Thursday. So, awesome. Well, for everybody listening, on behalf of PC Tunney, I'm Greg DeMarco. On behalf of Miranda Morales, as she always says at the end of Hashtag Miranda Show, thank you for listening, and remember to always keep it soft style. Were you trying to get crazy with this scene? Don't you know I'm local? Chairshot.com. Always use your head.